Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group. Recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. I am here with Katrina Bruce, who many of you not just know, you know and love. Katrina is the president of Alternative Management, which is a company that manages associations, if you can believe that or not. Associations like NAOP of Southern Nevada, Southern Nevada CCIM Chapter, ULI Nevada, Nevada Professional Facility Managers Association, that's a mouthful, Crew, which is Commercial Real Estate Women, Keystone Corporation, Henderson Community Foundation, and SIOR Southern Nevada chapter. So as I understand it, you got into this field in 1985 in Reno, and then you started this company, Alternative Management, in 1990 when you moved here to Southern Nevada. And I should also mention, begrudgingly, you graduated from UNR because I went to UNLV. So anyone who has worked with you has experienced excellence. I don't just mean that as a tagline. Everyone who has worked with you knows exactly what I'm talking about. But to that end, you have third-party validation because You've received honors, including NAOP's Chapter Merit Award for outstanding contribution for a chapter executive. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. So spanning, so 96, 2008, 2012, and 2020. Yep. Is it weird hearing all these things about yourself? It's very weird. So you're also honored with NABO Southern Nevada um, 2008 Women Distinction Award with the Diamond Award. What is that? That was for a business that has been in business for more than 10 years and um, just showed excellence in, in their field. And NABO, I know this one. This is National Association of Women Business Owners. Yes, that's correct. You are the alphabet soup. That just occurred yes, to me. Yes. There's I, the alphabet soup of organizations, but you are the alphabet. You are the soup in which the alphabet lives. <laughs> I'm the soup. <laughs> that's funny. And I did not have them on my list, but NABO Southern Nevada is also a current client. So we actually work with 21 associations. Um, I think my bio only had a few of the top ones that have been with me for many, many years. 30. NAP has been with us for 30 years. I did the yes. math. <laughs> 31 now, actually. 31. 31 in January. Wow. Well, officially welcome, Katrina. Thank you, Hiam. It's great to be here. Terrific. So those were my words. Tell us in your own words, who are you and what do you do? I'm Katrina Bruce. I have been working with associations since, as you said, 1985 in Reno. And when I moved to Las Vegas, I started this business um, when I got a call from Don Sanborn, the incoming president for NAOP, um, in the fall of 89. And we got started together in 1990. How did Don know to call you? So when I first moved to Southern Nevada... I sent out some letters to prospective um, associations because I wanted to start this business to begin with, and that was in 88. I met with Puna Mather, who at the time was the worked for the Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce, and she provided me with a list of uh, associations, and I got out my little dot matrix printer and sent out a bunch of letters that look really embarrassing right now. One of those letters got into the hands of a gentleman by the name of George Glendenning, and George was a, a 
marketing person worked for GC Wallace, uh, and he passed that letter off to my to three different groups who became my first three clients, and it was two years later that that, that got into their hands. So it was NAOP, it was an organization called Aquavision, who did um, whose purpose was to bring awareness to the water conservation, and what's interesting is they stopped being because awareness was successful and oh wow uh, yeah isn't that fun they fulfilled their purpose they did and one of the legacy items for them is the um, southern nevada water authority has a landscape awards program so that's something that aquavision started in the early 90s and is still happening today the, the third association we work with is the quality and productivity institute and it also is no longer around, but their legacy event is Preview. So back in the 90s, I was running the Preview Conference that is now handled by Vegas Chamber. The big preview, the annual big preview event that happens. Yes, yes. Ah, wow. So you went to UNR, you graduated with a business degree. Mm-hmm. They didn't teach this association management as an industry or a vocation. No. No I, way. No, no, they didn't. My, I've my, never heard of this until I met you. It's it, it's interesting because association management is a very old profession, more than a hundred years old, um, and it's just unknown. It's it's really interesting. So my story actually goes back to high school, and when in I was Reno. in Reno, where uh, Sparks actually read high school. Were Go you Reed born, Raiders. You're, you're a Nevadan. No, actually, I was born in Portland, Oregon. So your story starts in Portland, Oregon. Well, my, my <laughs> <laughs> yes, my, my first uh, origin story is, uh, is starts in Oregon. Uh, my family moved to Reno just before I started high school in 1979. And I went to Reed High School, go Raiders. And um, in my freshman year, I started participating in Junior Achievement of Northern Nevada at that time, Junior Achievement was a after, or an evening program where a group of 50, 60 high school students would go to the Junior Achievement building in the evening and one night a week, and we would create a business, sell stock, make a product, sell the product over the course of a uh, school year. For real you would do this, or would like, there are these mock exercises? No, 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 for real. My very first product was a a little glass catcher ornament that we would make in the oven at, in the, our room. It was like a little classroom setting where there are like 10 different rooms in this building. And when we would meet, we had advisors from the industry um, or from the business in, in Reno, and they would talk to us about how business works. And we would literally make products. We would have a, a, a fair at the mall where we would sell our products. We'd sell our products to <laughs> friends, family. So, yeah, we learned how a business worked. And I was involved in junior achievement all four years of high school. There was also a leadership component to that uh, where there was an association. Junior achievement met on four different nights during the week. And so there was a a group that was a a leadership group that spanned those different nights. And we would plan different events. We would be the ones to plan the the fair. and, And then there were awards at the end of the year. And then there were also regional and national conferences. So I'd go to what was called JAMCO. We would go either to San Francisco or L.A. And then there was a national conference in uh, Indiana. And I went to that, I think, three times. So I learned about meeting different people, about how to work with different people. And some of my best friends from high school were not from my high school, but were people who I met through Junior Achievement. 
one of the other things I was fortunate to do in, in my high school years through Junior Achievement is the Dale Carnegie organization donated a class each mm. year to Junior Achievement. So as a freshman in high school, I went through the 15-week course of, for Dale Carnegie Public Speaking. So while it's not something that you know, is energizing to me to be a public speaker, it's not something that scares me either if I was ever given that opportunity. So, um, so not only did I do it as a freshman in high school, I went through this course. When I was in college, they did another course for Junior Achievement, and I was a graduate assistant. So I basically got that course twice in you know a span of five or six years, and and that helped me to to build confidence and understand um, what I was capable of, and to try new things. So, so my origin from Oregon to Reno, yeah, Junior Achievement, Dale Carnegie. Fast forward, I'm at UNR as you've said, go pack, um, <laughs> and. Uh, I was looking for a job, so I called the executive director of Junior Achievement, a man by the name of Ed Parsons, who also owned an association management company, and Junior Achievement was his client. So he had an opening. I, I called him because not only did he manage Junior Achievement, but the Reno Rotary and Reno Philharmonic and Young Audiences and many other organizations. So he was in Reno, somebody that knew everybody, and if he knew of someone looking for a, for a, for a person he would be the one. So, but he happened to have an opening. So throughout, throughout college, I worked part-time for management development associates, Ed Parsons and um, his wife, Sharon Payne Parsons. Also, they owned the company together and I did the bookkeeping and computer information systems, the database work, which is what my degree was in and worked for them part-time for three years and loved it. Just thought it was awesome. One of the fun things um, that we were working on when I left was the International Winter Special Olympic Games that were coming to Squaw Valley in, I think it was, well, 89. Um, and uh, and so I, I left before that actually happened. But we just had some opportunity to, to meet people, to have experiences, and it was just always something a little bit different. That's when I fell in love with association management. I moved to Las Vegas in 88, and as I mentioned, um, started marketing, uh, did a very small amount of marketing, didn't get the bite right away, so I got my real estate license, sold residential real estate for a minute, and then got the call from Don Sanborn. Were you already a top producer mm -hmm. when you got that call? No. <laughs> no. Residential real estate was not my thing. There are many, many more people that are much better at that than I so typically at this point, I, I shift into the question that I ask everybody. I'm wondering if we already answered it or not, though, but I'll, I'll ask it just the same. So the show is called Takeaways, and it's about my takeaways from people who have influenced me. So I'd like to ask you, what has been the single most influential thing or event in your life that shaped you the most? Junior Achievement, for sure. And this is where I get to give my plug for Junior Achievement of Southern Nevada. There is an incredible organization here. It is a nationwide, a very old organization. They're, they're in, in the schools from elementary school through high school. They have different programs where I, I volunteered for a few years in the third grade, where I would go into third grade classroom and teach for one hour, five weeks in a row about different aspects of business. And it is so important for young people to learn about business, about financial literacy, and Junior Achievement is the organization that excels at this. 
it's for you know my story what i didn't mention is my my mom worked for a large retailer her entire career 35 years or whatever it was my dad was an educator there weren't entrepreneurs in my immediate family to learn from and that's the junior achievement experience allowed me to do something different something that i learned about that i didn't just know so it's a way to create the diversity that we seek in our industries to be able to have give kids exposure to something that they may not know about in their home life and their own community. So I am a huge supporter of Junior Achievement. You know, as you were talking about the first time Junior Achievement and all the stuff that you, you went through, I wrote down there were three things that it taught you. And then I had a question which answered itself in your story, you know, who the hell, like, a, here I here you are, just graduated college, you have three years part-time work experience uh, as a bookkeeper and a database manager from some obscure industry association management that nobody's ever heard of. You're moving to a new city and you're going to start your own business? And yet you did. And you did with confidence because you knew how to start your own business because you had a small business with your junior achievement cohort selling stuff and understanding how that works. You went to these conferences and learned how to network with other folks in your peer group. And you mentioned many of your friends were not friends from your high school because you were heavily networked, even though it probably wasn't that to you when you were a high school student. And you did not just one, but two Dale Carnegie 15-week courses, which teaches you what you said, confidence, communication, and what have you. And all that from June, from the decision to join Junior Achievement in high school changes the trajectory of Katrina Bruce forever. 100%. Isn't that remarkable? It is remarkable. That's a cool answer. <laughs> so 30 years as an association manager, what? let's spend a little more time and talk about what is a day-to-day, what does that look like for an association manager? Meetings. We, we have board meetings, committee meetings, phone calls. Um, So it's a lot of planning and what, you know, deciding and discussing what it is the association needs to do. Most associations that we work with are trade associations. So their primary focuses tend to be in education, networking, and government relations. We focus on the education and networking areas and not as much in the government affairs. So we plan events. That is, I would say, the number one thing we do. And then we do the business operations. So we have an office where we answer the phone, we pick up the mail, we do the bookkeeping, we make sure the databases are right, the membership is right, we provide general information, um, and just the basic you know, business operations that any business, regardless of being a nonprofit association or a for-profit business, needs to do to operate. Working with committees is one of the major things we do. So we are there to support what the committees want to do, uh, what the associations want to do. We're not there necessarily to do the work. So there's this great balance of providing support and reminders to ensure an event or a program is successful without taking it over. And that's, that's a delicate balance that um, we're constantly on that tightrope of being supportive and, and giving volunteers the opportunity to succeed and feel good about their involvement in the association and not letting something fail because a ball got dropped. Drawing a parallel to my life and what you just said. So my 
equivalent to junior achievement was an organization called B'nabrith Youth Organization, BBYO, also nationwide, old as heck. So I start going to this, it's a Jewish youth organization, so that's the why you go to hang out with other Jewish kids. It's an activity for Jewish youth. And then this magical thing happens where it's youth-led, and that's the, the critical difference between what I experienced in BBYO and maybe other organizations, where the youth-led part, the staff and advisors are there to do what you talked about, guide, facilitate. They're not there to do. So when the kids, the youth, get together and say, we're, we're going to go play laser tag, awesome. It's on the kids to figure out how to make that happen. They have to plan it. We had to plan it. Mm-hmm. And going through that, it's similar to your experience with running a business. It's not a you know Fortune 500 enterprise, but the the cadence and the repetitions that you're going through give you not just the exposure but the practice to do that later in life when it when you're an adult. So similar to what you talked about, that really resonated with a we're here to help facilitate and guide. But we're not here to do. Does that ever does that line ever cross though for you? Oh, for sure. And it it's different based on the different associations that we manage and our scope of service within that association. There are some groups where we are paid to do more of the detail work and to be a leader versus more providing the support administrative staff. So there are definitely times that we, we do things that, you know, a volunteer really ought to be doing. However, at Alternative Management, we do what needs to be done to make sure the association is successful. And if that means we pick up the slack and, and you know, order those signs or, you know, do the something that the, the volunteer was intending to do but didn't get to it, we're going to do it to make sure the, the program or event is successful. And another thing occurred to me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like the clients that hire you have an advantage over the associations that don't in that there is a, a, an executive or an administrative type continuity to the organization where, you know, leaders come and go cycles happen also, um, with, with people coming in. I mean, there's, there's probably a, like a bell curve. Someone joins the organization they get involved in a committee from a committee. They get asked to join a board from the board. They get to leadership, executive leadership, and then maybe leading the organization. And then they become everyone's favorite position, past president, <laughs> Right. And then they do they don't typically start that cycle all over again. They move on or move out or maybe they do stick around, but there's other people coming up. So in that in that natural flow of an organization, you provide that continuity to keep things steady. Correct. I think you've been reading my marketing materials. No, I've not. I've <laughs> from BBYO I went to AEPI fraternity and that's typically what happens on a college campus and it's easier to think about it there because it's a four-year cycle. Mm-hmm. You get a kid who's a freshman who joins a fraternity or sorority and they have whatever, the it factor, the passion, the time and dedication and they take they take the organization to heights it's never seen before and then they graduate and then what happens? Uh, there's no succession plan in a fraternity. You never think about succession. Although I, I imagine your organizations do think about successions. I kind of jump to the, to the next thing in that as a professional, the highest honor someone can, can extend to you is to ask you to join a board or a committee. And they do that because my observation, again, they see something in the person to say, you would be really good in volunteering, volunteering your time here in either a trade association, a nonprofit of another kind, a charity or, or you know, caused base or what have you. So for the last 30 years, this is what fascinates me about you. 
you have seen pretty much everybody come up in all of these organizations, mm-hmm. right? The people that we think about today that are the, the, the um, iconic and celebrity-esque type leaders in our community, you mm-hmm. probably saw them when that, when that ask first happened. You know, before they were that celebrity or that icon, they, they weren't. And someone said to them, you know, you've got something and I'd like for you to join my committee or to consider joining this board. True so far? True so far. So you've, you've seen, you know, the landscape, and I'm going to insert, again, my observations. You tell me if I'm wrong here. Um, people are different. They're motivated by different things. There's regular people that kind of going with the flow but do good work, it, you know, as it relates to community and board work. There's probably power-hungry people that, you know, they want that status and stature, and uh, they, they put themselves forward. Maybe someone didn't ask them to, to come forward. And certainly there are the unsung heroes and I'm sure many more types of personalities and characteristics in this spectrum. Mm -hmm. So go from there. What observations have you had over the last 30 years? One of the things that I absolutely love about what I do is that I am working with the people who choose to be involved in the associations for their industry to make their industry better. There aren't that many average Joes that I work with. The average Joes don't, you know, put up their hand and volunteer and join an organization and get involved in a committee. So everybody I work with is the cream of the crop. Above average or better. Above average or better. <laughs> and then when, when you get into the organizations like a CCIM or an SIOR, not only are they the cream of the crop, they're the best of the best of the cream yeah. of the crop. Because um, they're the ones that get their designations. So... I'm already starting with the best. And yeah, there are there are some of the, you know, what you say, the power hungry or those types of people, but or the people that want to put the on the resume that they were on a board of an association in their industry. The resume builder. Yeah. They are not they don't stay around long. They don't really get into the leadership because the associations that I work with, that alternative management works with, are really working boards. They are volunteer led. They're not staff driven. There are many, many great associations that have um, their leadership really comes from the chief of staff, chief staff position versus the Mm. volunteer president. It's just a different model. And some of those larger organizations are run by association management companies. It's just not the model that I chose. I like to work with boards that are very involved and active and are willing to dedicate their time to making the organization and the, their industry better. So the people that we work with are dedicated. The best ones are the ones that have the time and make the time and do what they say they're going to do. You know, they they find out about the association. They understand what the association wants to do and find the piece that fits their skills. I think that's the biggest thing is understanding what's needed and and where an individual can contribute the most. It's not always president. It's not always committee chair. Sometimes it's a special project and you you know these certain people. One of the hardest committees, which you know, is programs, putting on an interesting, informative, timely, entertaining program for any association on a monthly basis is tough. So we're all, they're only as good as the people in the room planning the program. 
So if you're a person that knows a lot of people, a program committee is perfect for you. Um, so it's, it's really about finding your niche and, and understanding, understanding the association and learning what the association's about, and then you can serve uh, to better the group. There's so much in that that I want to slow down and talk talk more about. So your organization already attracts a higher tier association because they're not going to hire out this service if they weren't already in the frame of mind of we need to be the best we can be. That's one thing. The model that you've created working with working boards brings up the best of the best within those industries of people that want to put themselves forward. And you said, have the time, make the time and do what they say. So you're already in this upper quadrant in the work that you do in the space that you're in. Right. You talked about, you know, why people put themselves forward for this. It's one thing, you know, I, I gave the one example. Someone asks you, typically someone asks, that's how you join a board. Mm-hmm. You say yes for many reasons, but you also put yourself forward and keep going for a reason. What, what are the reasons that you've seen that people continue to do work on these boards? Why do you? <laughs> let, me, let me turn that around on you, Hiam. Why are you involved in association boards? It, it's, um, when I think about that question, I've, I've, I've already framed myself as a lifer as it relates to this. I've, I grew up in this kind of, I came up in this kind of a thing. There's always been an association in my life as far as I can remember from BB, from even before BBYO, which is junior high, then high school, then college, and then after. Now the after, obviously when you're a professional, there's an abundant of associations to be involved with and that kind of work that you can put yourself forward in. You know, there's the trade associations, there's the religious, there's the cause-based. Um, so I've always just had that in me. And then, what, so what I was getting at, when when I got to the professional part and someone asked me, hey, you, Robin Sivish asked me and said, you should consider joining the board of CMG, Commercial Marketing Group, which I don't think is around anymore. Mm-mm. And I said, sure. And I was the youngest guy in the room. I was literally just out of college. I'm the youngest guy out of anyone there. And I knew Robert's rules of order better than anybody. (laughs) And that was a cool skill to have when I'm guiding people and navigating them. And then it gives them reason to look at me and say, ah, this guy. And then the next thing someone said was you should become president elect. So I went from come to the thing. And now I'm president elect of this organization called CMG. And I was good at it. And you said something earlier, and to me, that's kind of the definition of leadership. You look for what's needed and you respond. So that was sort of my initial, that's as it relates to professional organizations. Now, keep going. If you're in commercial real estate, one thing that you seek out is a CCIM designation. That for people who don't know, it's um, certified commercial investment member. There are courses you take, you put yourself through. Each course is a week. At the end of the week, you take a test. You have to pass the test get all the credits for the courses. Then you put together a portfolio of experience. So you can't just take these classes and say, I got the CCIM. You have to back it up with some experience. And then you sit for the dreaded, feared, comprehensive exam, which is a two-day class. Two-day class in order to take the six-hour test. So this is no joke. Now, you could do that and be a designee, but some this chapter in, in particular is really good at plucking people and developing them into leadership, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. They, with the scholarship. Yep. 
hey, you know, you can you took the first class. If you want the second class, we'll pay it 100 percent. But you have to be involved. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So that puts you on that path to be involved. So th- to me, you asked me, like, why do I do it? I think I have the fabric to do it. But then it is al- there's always been the pursuit of the next. And then you get to a place. This is my show, Katrina. You're supposed <laughs> to be answering the questions. But this is this is actually something that's that's been on my mind for the last two years. I heard it on a podcast and it resonated where I am in my life. The BBYO thing, my mom said, you're going to BBYO. I love the people. I loved it. I was hooked. The, the fraternity was an easy thing. Professionally, Robin Sivish said, you should do this. And thank you, Robin, for that. And that started this ball. The one decision saying yes to Robin about CMG started this chain of events where CMG, when you're president of CMG, you get a seat at the board of Commercial Alliance Las Vegas which is the commercial association for the realtor association. I didn't know that. There's a lot of things, by the way, that you don't know when someone asks you to do something. (laughs) But I appreciate it because now I got to sit on this other board, which I didn't know exist. And that board, on that board, are the presidents of all these associations, the SIOR, the NAOP, the CCIM, um, the Business Brokers Association. So CALV has captured the heads of all these. And once I was there, someone said, hey, you're, really, you're kind of good at this. And then I, I don't think I became treasurer. That's a trap. I know that one. <laughs> I was a director, and then I was president-elect, and then president, and then past president. So where I was going with this is someone asks you to do something, and you don't realize by saying yes, you've committed three years, five years, or even longer of your life in that one yes. So now where I'm at back to the, we're going to put a period on this. Why do I stay involved now is because now I'm at the point where I know that if I say yes to something, it's, it's not just what's in front of me. It's, this is a minimum three, possibly seven year. Yes. So I'm very careful now when I say yes, that's first, I don't have a formal filtering process as to what I say yes to or not. Two, three years ago, I started not just saying no, but I started unwinding things that I didn't feel were either I wasn't passionate about or I wasn't serving or it wasn't tied into my big picture. So I guess those are three little filters in that. And so what do I say yes to? You mentioned programs committee. Mm-hmm. I'm on year four, I think. I think so, yeah. For All right, NAOP. so what is what is, yeah. NAOP pro, what is NAOP and what is Programs Committee as it relates to NAOP? Back to you, Katrina. <laughs> Boy, I did a good job there, didn't I? You I should did. have switched you seats. You are experts. <laughs> so um, NAOP is the Commercial Real Estate Development Association. We are the commercial, NAOP is the commercial developers and everyone related to the, to the industry. Brokers, bankers, title companies, the whole gamut. Attorneys. Attorneys. Everyone. Everyone. Um, NAOP is currently about 600 members, and the programs has been a, a focus of the organization since its inception in 1986. There's a monthly meeting. It's been a breakfast meeting for many, many years where we have a, a speaker, a program, a panel, an individual, and a couple hundred people uh, attend and hear something new, different, educational, something to help them do their business better. Do you know my first NAOP experience ever? I don't. Tell me. Stacy Beathy. Mm-hmm. Does that name ring a bell? It does. It she does. doesn't live in Vegas anymore, but she did. And she was a 
leasing executive at Harsh. Mm -hmm. I don't know if executive is the right term, but that's what she did. I met her because I toured a tenant at one of her buildings and she invited me to a nap breakfast. Think Harsh. I was her guest. So I imagine Harsh had several seats mm -hmm. and I walk into this room at the Orleans. I was a little late because it's early. The nap <laughs> breakfast is early, man. And I was overwhelmed mm -hmm. at the sea of people that were in front of me. But Stacy was so gracious. She greeted me at the door. She told me there's breakfast here. Please help yourself. I got some eggs, the notorious eggs at the Orleans. And I sat there and I experienced my first nap breakfast. I don't know who was the speaker or anything else. All I remember is that it was Stacy and I was overwhelmed. And she made it easy for me to be there and not super uncomfortable. Excellent. How long ago was that? It could have been in the range of... 2007 or 2008 that sounds about right yeah and i think that because then linda gonzalez wrote me a recommendation letter for this little program called dli mm, because she just graduated from the dli the, the inaugural dli class the developing leaders institute that is one of the programs that i am most proud of being part of creating the Developing Leaders Institute is a program of NAOPs that uh, there's a cohort of 20 to 25 young professionals, 35 years or younger, who apply to be part of a class. It's a 12-month program where there are, it starts with a, a weekend retreat where they learn about uh, some social skills and the soft skills of working together and team building and then there's a monthly class for 12 months where they learn more of the nuts and bolts of development. And then it, there's a capstone program where they develop a project and make a presentation to the development dudes of some senior development people in Southern Nevada. And there's a winning project and a graduation. So one of, I'm not sure how I got this opportunity. Um, I maybe just said I'm going to do it, but I have been um, fortunate to be part of every one of those initial retreats. And I've gotten to know the class members in such a different way by being part of the retreat. And I remember sitting in your retreat at, I'm pretty sure it was like Las Vegas that year. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would step in and participate if there was an odd number of people. And I remember doing a triad with you and I don't remember who the third person was, maybe Adam Malin and just being part of an exercise and just getting to know you better. I just feel so fortunate to be part of that class, that process for every one of the classes. Not every association has a DLI. No. CCIM in a way has a, a way to feed into uh, feed its board and committees with leaders, for lack of a better term. I think that is the right term. Mm -hmm. I think there's like a, a lesson here for other associations if they're listening. Like, How do leaders get developed and created, I guess, is where I'm going with this. Most associations do have an eye on that ball to know that, you know, we're getting to the point where uh, many associations are filled with old white men. And that's not sustainable for the life of an organization. So many of them have discounts for younger members or um, social events for younger members. And I think it's really about acknowledging the need for new and different ideas, uh, whether it's 
you know, there's a lot of talk about diversity these days, and some people just get really scared by that word or turned off by that word. And it's it's nothing more than just having different ideas in the room. And that's by having young people, having women, having, you know, people of color and, and just understanding and experiencing uh, people in a different way. So it's being open to different ideas um, that is really important and bringing in young people is part of that. So has this concept of diversity and inclusion increased, in your opinion, recently over the yes. last 30 years that you've been doing this? Oh, definitely. When do you feel like it increased? I would say we're probably maybe 10 years ago is when the awareness started to be greater. I know that NAP on a corporate level has been working on it for probably about that long. Why is it so important? Why not just do, I mean, this is, sounds like a silly question, but it, I don't think it's a silly question. Why not just have more of the same? Better ideas come out of people with different ideas. So doing the same thing over and over is going to create the same results. And I guess if you're happy with those results and status quo, then, then you could continue on. Most people want to strive to do better and to do you know, bigger, better, faster. And in order to do that, you have to do something different. And in order to have a different idea, you, you need to learn. And you learn from people who are different from you. The thing that came to my mind is I remember another meeting that I was in. We were talking about the another marquee event for NAOP, the Spotlight Awards. Mm-hmm. I was the young guy in the room. And I asked what I thought was a okay question. It turns out it was a stupid question. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I mean, it's more about kind of like I'm playing devil's advocate on this. It's, you know, sometimes the, the young new ideas just there's no experience behind that. And why are you even here? And there is almost an inefficiency in, in that. Right. No, I it's not always youth. It's just different experiences. You know, I working with Nayop for almost 31 years now. I think some people may perceive me as saying we've always done it this way. So we're always going to do it this way. And not you. You not would never me. say that. I really consciously, I may not be successful at it all the time, but I consciously think I'm, I'm open to ideas. And the only times that I really shut things down is when we really, really truly have tried the other way and it just didn't work. And, um, different ideas and it's not necessarily that the idea the question that you may have asked that was a stupid question or you perceive to be a stupid question no they told me that was okay so maybe it's a stupid <laughs> question but that may have caused somebody else to think about something that then led to a different idea and a different decision and a different outcome so it's the whole concept of brainstorming you know you, you throw out ideas not because every idea is going to mm. be good but to get to the best idea yep and they're having the different experiences in the room provide different angles to look at things to get Mm -hmm. to a better outcome. But like you said, if you're happy with the results you have now, God bless you. So let's talk about, um, let's go more into this. 2020 has been a year of pivots and absolutely navigating the unknown. Yes. So you are a business owner. Mm -hmm. You had to navigate the pandemic just like anyone else as it relates to your business. Mm -hmm. And you also got to see, and got to help 21 other organizations that had to manage and navigate the pandemic as it related to them. Yes. So what are some lessons learned? Wow. So lessons learned from 2020 
be open to change. Nobody expected this year to be the way that it is. And we looked at what we had and did what we could. So as a, you know, probably the biggest example was NAOP Spotlight Awards, where we were two weeks out from having this 650 person gala when the state was shut down. And we obviously canceled it or postponed it at the time in our minds because, you know, 30, 60 days, we should be done. We can do this in the summer. And, and we kept kicking the can down down the, the calendar and then made the choice to do it virtually, which I think turned out amazingly. And I don't ever want to produce something like that in three weeks again. So, But you did. We did. We did. We had a team together that was able to spend the time. You know, Julie Cleaver as president was so creative in the script and, again, was willing and able to commit the time to do what it took to produce this event. Programs committee was the same. We only canceled, NAP's programs committee only canceled one meeting and pivoted to virtual. And I know how to do a Zoom webinar. I am, you know, I've got my control tower and I know what to do. And it wasn't what I ex- expected to be doing this year, and I still had some fun with it. And And there are some opportunities that happened this year that would not have happened in a normal year. Um, again, we keep going back to programs just because it's so important. Um, some speakers that we had remotely wouldn't have been in Vegas, and it opens us up to the possibility of having information delivered in a different manner. We also had a lot of people attending virtually that would never come to a breakfast meeting because they're in Florida, they're in Washington, they're in Utah. So we're able to expose our organization to people in a different way. So it's it's about looking at what the situation is as it changes, being aware, and then again, looking at new ideas and being open to do something differently. And what about for your business? Was there any, were there any major changes that you experienced? Oh, sure. So I think the hardest part for me as a business owner is making the decisions that affect my staff. We were all fortunate that everybody was able to do their jobs remotely. So there wasn't a ton of, um, you know, they weren't impacted personally, financially. And it was still a matter of how do I know when to bring it back to the office? You know, following obviously the the directives and the, the rules, but is it safe to come back to the office? Do we all come back to the office? Do we have split shifts? And just thinking through and, and making those decisions, like any business owner, it was just very, very stressful. And um, I think the biggest thing for me was just being open and communicating and providing as much information that I could to them. And you know, being a resource and being an open and honest. You know, it's so hard to think back to March. It is. It's, it, to me, feels like a lifetime ago. Actually, it feels like a different time of my life, not even present day in a way. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to just zero in on what was it, what, what really happened? You know, we, you, Spotlight is a good illustration and Programs is a good illustration. And, and just hearing you talk about staff we obviously we did the same thing governor Mm -hmm. goes on tv and says right we're closing Mm -hmm. everything's closed and then there's why are we doing this well it's unknown that's first and foremost there is a huge unknown here Mm -hmm. so we 
Katrina. I don't know if it's safe to bring people back or if it's okay to bring two people back on Tuesday and one on Wednesday. We just don't know. And that, I mean, that's, you know, there's unknowns as it relates to forecasting the economy. And, but that was like, you could die if you come into the office. Right. That's how we were thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Or people were, I should say. Right. And, so. and you can't have a program. You can't have spotlight. Right. Or, but you know what? China's already open again. This is what we were saying in, I think, March or April. China's already open. Everyone's going back to work. This will be gone. Mm -hmm. Certainly by the summer, because when the summer comes, this virus can't live in this kind of a heat. Right. So we're good. Right. Well, one of the reasons (laughs) that we rushed, we made the decision about Spotlight to do it virtually at the end of May. I wanted to get it done by June because we couldn't, because for sure we were going to have a live breakfast meeting in July and we couldn't have a virtual Spotlight Awards after having a live breakfast meeting, for heaven's sakes. Well, we all know what happened there, so... Yeah, it's like the whole year has been. Um, we look, <laughs> we look at it uh, through the windshield and the rearview mirror at the same time. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty, right? So I, my approach right now is I would rather plan everything virtual, and then as soon as we know it's possible to have an ev- event live, to pivot. I will be ecstatic to work my butt off to make a virtual event live. As opposed to work your butt off to learn how to create a control tower on Zoom. Exactly. All right. So you've gone now from we're going back to normal. We're going back to normal. We're going back to normal to this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And your hope of going back to normal is not totally aborted, but it'll happen when it happens. Right. There is no control. No one has any control over this right now. And. Obviously, the vaccine is is our hope, and it it's three months, six months, nine months. We really don't know, mm-hmm. and it's not just what our you know leadership says; it's how people are going to feel about it. Mm-hmm. When are you going to be comfortable in a room with five hundred people? Yeah, how do you know they've all had the vaccine? You know, it's it, so so. There's a balance of yes, we can do it, and is it the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. So we'll be asking those questions uh, for months to to really figure that out. So there, it's an opportunity to for critical thinking, for information gathering, for um, just doing something differently. Yeah, you know, events are such a you, you mentioned earlier. There are really three things that your company helps with: education, networking, and government affairs. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can do education by Zoom, but now there's this thing called Zoom fatigue. Yep. So if you're going to do that, got to yeah, it has to be just absolutely remarkable, dynamic, worthy of my time, all mm-hmm. that. Super challenging. But when you embrace that and attack it, whatever you come up with is probably going to be the best damn education event anybody's ever been to. Exactly. Networking, what you, exactly what you just said. Who knows when? And even... Even when, it, yeah, we can, is it the right thing to do? I mean, is there going to be behavior atrophy around this where people are just shell-shocked for years that they're just not going back into large crowds or not? We just don't know. What do you think? I think there definitely will be some, and I believe that for our regular education and monthly program meetings that a hybrid model will emerge and will be with us for a very long time. 
Um, and then there are the people who, who need people. Mm-hmm. People who need human interaction on a regular basis that thrive with that. And we will, of course, every association, when there are events, will follow all the guidelines and make sure that it's as safe as we know how to make it. And there are people that are ready right now today to go to one of those events. So I think in 2022, there will be big events. And I think after that, I mean, knock on wood and assuming nothing else comes at us. <laughs> Scary to say that. A mutation virus. Uh, yeah. Um, Katrina said it, not me. No, I did not. <laughs> so I, I like to think and put in, in, in out in the universe that by 2022, we're going to be in person. We're going to have a spotlight awards. We're going to have a bus tour. We're going to have lunch meetings and networking events and CCM wine tasting and um, all those types of events that, that people are used to doing. So I want to stick with these events because all of these events that you've mentioned, obviously, if, if anyone listening is in the commercial real estate industry, we look forward to these events every year. Mm-hmm. You know, Thanksgiving was a big one where people didn't know what to do. Is it safe? Is it not safe? Christmas, is it safe? Is it not safe? And I have no direction for this, but just to, to poke at this a little bit, how critical, why is it so important to have these face-to-face interactions? I mean, not, not Christmas and Thanksgiving. Yeah, 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 I get yeah, that. I mean, right. I'm talking about around business and associations. Right. Ultimately, people do business with people they know and like. And getting to know people through associations is one of the, from my perspective, one of the easiest ways to get to know somebody and then ultimately get to like them and then ultimately do business. And even through this uh, this pandemic year, We've continued to have committee meetings for NAOP. This is a, the statistic just blows my mind. We track committee meetings um, on an annual basis. And in 2019, we tracked 107 committee meetings for NAOP. In 2020, we tracked 311. Wow. So Zoom made it really easy to meet. And we spent so much more time meeting um, a breakfast meeting for NAOP took the regular committee meeting. It took a meeting with the panel. It usually took a, another technical meeting with the panel. It took a meeting with the sponsor. It took a meeting with the president. So something that used to be like one committee meeting a month now became five or six meetings per program. So, and that was a learning curve. And, and at some point that may change. And one of the reasons I believe that the NAOP programs were so good is we took that time to prepare mm-hmm. and set those expectations and, and people knew what to, what to do. So, but my point in that is that people were still interacting. No, it was not in person. No, it was not as fulfilling. And we had some committee members that joined this year, participated on committees, got to know people and all through zoom and all, you know, during this pandemic year, and they still got the value of networking and, and being able to build those relationships. Do you think this zoom networking is, you know, it's, it, what, what you gain in efficiency, what, what do you lose? Well, you lose the personal connection, the conversations that you have before a meeting starts or after the meeting ends, the, the parking lot conversations that go on as people are walking out. And then it becomes, that's where you learn about the person. Um, you don't have those one-on-ones on a Zoom meeting. Mm. Even at the beginning of a meeting, it's usually pretty quiet until we actually start the program. That chit-chat and that social building mm-hmm. is missing. 
for sure. Although I do believe that Zoom committee meetings, Zoom as an option for committee meetings is also here for for oh, yeah. for a long time. Yes. You know, the typical oh crap, I have to get to <laughs> Katrina's office, shut everything down, throw it in my bag, get to my car, zip down there at the red light of course, text saying I'm a little delayed. None of that has to happen anymore. No. Unless you want the personal interaction. Right. And that's that's one of the reasons to join a committee. So I hope that I hope that people do come back in person mostly and that the Zoom is an option that if needed is taken. Do you ever think about like what buildings or projects exist in Las Vegas because of the first conversation that happened in your conference room between two people? I'm sure there are many. There are many stories of people who got their jobs because of NAOP or CCIM or SIOR because of the networking. It's how business is done. I know there's many. And I'll give you cover to say can't possibly think about everyone. But over your career, what are some stories that stand out the most or mm. people? Gosh, remembering things for 30 years is rough. So I'm going to forget those old ones. Although I have to say the... The year with Don Sanborn, and I'll never forget him, and the the first time of being hired as an association management professional, it was a great year. Um, he's still, you know, Don's still around, and he's he's one of the ones that uh, is not local, but is still participating Who? in our breakfast meetings. Who's Don? Don Sanborn uh, was a, is a small developer. He developed a lot of the um, uh, Industrial Flex product on, uh, like, Valley View and Tropicana, or and uh, he also uh, had a sourdough bread business for a while, Sanborn Sourdough Bread. Um, but just a really good guy, and uh, you know, it it was that call that that was the junior achievement, and then the call from Don that that made my trajectory what it is. You know, one of the other things that I haven't said is is how specifically for NAP, and I talk a lot about NAP because it is the association that I've worked with the longest and have the most responsibility for and scope of services with. So I've been um, very connected to the corporate office. NAOP corporate has a great deal of support for the chapters. And so each year we go to Washington, D.C. for the leader, chapter leadership and legislative retreat where I meet with my my friends that do the same thing that I do for the other associate or the other chapters. And and we'd have leadership and then we go to Capitol Hill. So it's it's not just that I'm networking locally, but I've got a network of people that I know that do what I do that I can talk to on a regular basis and and they can help me. And that is one thing, again, an opportunity that happened this year with the pandemic. Um, it used to be we'd see the chapter execs once or twice a year. In April, NAAP Corporate started weekly Zoom meetings for the chapter executives that was so important to help us understand what each other was doing and different ideas of what could be done. And so that's a, a great silver lining of building those relationships more closely with people across the country. And I'm extremely sad that in February it is going to be virtual. <laughs> First time in 30 years I will not be going to Washington, D.C. in February. We, we got there because you were telling us about people. So I want to go back to people, people. and then we're going to jump yeah. to, I want some stories, some legendary Katrina stories, oh, some gosh. fly on the walls, some that person was remarkable because of, and then we'll end with some rapid fire takeaways. 
working with volunteers is is just so much fun and I have made some really great friendships through working um, for NAOP and CCIM and SIOR and, and all the other organizations that we manage. And I remember when Rod Martin first came to town and he was asked to be on the board. And I remember going to lunch with Rod and he said, tell me what I need to know. And it was one of the times, it was in the 90s. I don't remember exactly when. What an astute question. And um, and it, it really made me feel respected that um, that he knew that I knew what he needed to know and that, you know, Rod Martin was a newbie and obviously everybody knows Rod Martin now and he is such an amazing board member who is thoughtful and is so knowledgeable about the industry and the association and just such a pleasure to work work for and work with and nobody can deny that that so <laughs> no one's gonna get mad at me for saying no rod, rod martin is the best <laughs> rod was on the show so everyone listening to this certainly has heard the episode with rod if not they can go listen to it and i said it in my own words and he obviously deflected i said he's i said he's the nicest guy in town he said no i i mean he is genuinely that and then when you hear the guy talk the depth of what comes out of his mouth I mean, there's, it's not just ever with Rod, mm-hmm. just something that just willy-nilly comes out. There is so much depth behind it. Mm-hmm. And he's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there's there's no NAOP story without Sally Dobler. Um, Sally has done pretty much everything for NAOP. And is what, what strikes me about Sally and, and her volunteer role is that she's so thoughtful. And that is what makes her so good at what she does. I remember we uh, we went to some social event, I think a ballet or something, and we met somebody, I don't remember who it was right now, which is why she's Sally and I'm Katrina, but we met the person at the same time, and four months later, we were together and ran into this person, and Sally had had coffee and drinks and this and that with that person and they didn't even remember me so the ability to to make connections and build relationships is is something that I look to Sally for she's she is the best Ralph Murphy it's interesting there are a couple of presidents that have won the chapter merit award for president for NAOP and Ralph Murphy was one of them and he was such a is at the time anyway was a very dedicated volunteer he was he was like you Haim, in that it's it was in his blood he he knew the importance of it and was such a great president because of that and then fast forward mike show also so very smart so very dedicated and willing to spend the time the thoughtful time to do a good job which he did a phenomenal job and also won the award course i can't talk about mike show it without talking about uh jennifer levine there it is (laughs) who also won a chapter merit award for um volunteer of the year so so um, before you go into jennifer yeah chapter merit award this isn't i just want to these are national awards yes these are uh applicants are taken from every in this case naop chapter Mm -hmm. across the country yes you're going up against people that are in San Francisco and Houston and New York and Chicago. Mm-hmm. And 
here we are, little old Las Vegas, Southern Nevada, mm-hmm. with multiple chapter merit awards. Yes. We, um, we're good at what we do. And we've had a lot of success in being recognized for the great work that we do. From the Developing Leaders Institute to our, you know, back when we did a printed newsletter to, you know, multiple volunteers of the year, both Sally Dobler and Jennifer Levine, chapter presidents of the year. Um, so it's, it's awesome. Talk about Jennifer Levine. Jen, not Jen, that Jen is Jennifer Turchin, but Jen with one N <laughs> is Jen Levine. And, um, you know, she's just a bundle of energy and she not only has great creative ideas, she is, um, she does the work. She gets down and makes things happen and is just a lot of fun to be around. And, you know, whenever we're looking for someone to put in front of the microphone, she's uh, always willing to do mm-hmm. that. So just fun and just a good, good hearted person. Any more stories you want to share? Oh, gosh. I'm going to miss somebody. Everybody I've worked with has been so amazing. And if I forgot you, I'm sorry. I didn't forget you. <laughs> There's only so much time. That's funny. <laughs> How about some rapid fire takeaways? Okay. If someone is considering joining a border committee for the first time, what are some takeaways they should know? Learn about the organization and what's their mission, what's their vision. Does that align with what you want to be involved with? Ask questions of current board members, former board members. Um, Volunteer in a small way first. Get to know the culture. What is a good way to say no or no thank you as it relates to committee work or board work? It's truly respected if, and, and Haim, you've said no to me. And no, I didn't. Yes, you did. When? I don't remember, but I know you have. <laughs> um, I thought I thought you were going to have like a sheet of paper that you pull out, like everyone who's ever said no to you. And what? <laughs> no. It's, um, it's, I'd rather have you say no than say yes and don't do it or, you know, don't do your best. So that is on the fringe of the next question. What makes a poor board member or committee member? Being a board member means being present at the meetings. It's important to understand what's happening and to lend your input. Just like we talked about earlier, there's you know, 12, 15, 20 people on a board and everyone there has a different viewpoint of what's happening. And if you're not in the room to hear what's happening, then you're not able to do a good job as a board member so showing up number one and committing the time to so so board members so around what doesn't make a good board member Mm -hmm. being absent is bad (laughs) being there is good (laughs) so um let's have some fun with this for a second so um you know obviously every board runs differently and whatnot NAOP in particular, there are committee reports. And on the committee reports, it says who is on the committee, mm-hmm. who was at the meeting, and who was absent from the meeting. Mm-hmm. I became a board member a couple of years ago, and I started getting these reports, and I started looking at the absent list. And there are re- names that just keep every time. It's like, this, this mm-hmm. why is this person on the, That's my question. Why is this person on the committee? And now instead of me associating something positive with them, I have something negative with them. Here's Mm -hmm. someone who made a commitment to be on a committee and never shows up to the committee meeting. Mm -hmm. So it's, it could be a couple of things. They could have 
maybe said, I'm interested in being in a committee and they were put on the committee or their name was, and they're just getting these emails and they don't know what to do about it and they don't take action. Just, you know, they never really yeah. had the commitment to be there, but okay. Why are they there? Or they did make the commitment to be there and they're just not, not showing up. Right. So that's fundamental. Yep. If you're not going to do it, don't do it. Yep. If you are going to do it, be present. Yep. What else makes a poor committee member? Well, the converse of a good one was when you commit to something and, and then don't, if you don't do what you say you're going to do and don't tell somebody that you can't. So just because a volunteer is a volunteer not getting paid, mm -hmm. the job is still a commitment. And if you agree to do something for your boss that you're getting paid for, you're going to do it or you're going to get fired. We don't necessarily fire volunteers. We just don't ask them to do anything anymore. And that goes to the relationship mm. of how do we see them and how do their other fellow committee members see them and what relationship are they building by not doing what they say they're going to do. That's it. Just do what you say you're going to do. Two, two things came to mind mm -hmm. for poor committee members or board members. You know, we talked about being present in the meeting, being present in the meeting and not side chattering and like do that before or do that after, but let the agenda run the meeting. Everyone's here as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. We don't need, I, I, a pet peeve of mine is if it's a meeting, that's an hour, get it done in an hour. Mm -hmm. If it runs over, say we're running over. If anyone would like to stay, we'll continue, but let people know. But what causes these things to run over is when folks at around the table don't follow the agenda, mm -hmm. self-service kind of chatter. Yep. I have another one talking your book too much around the association. What it's like you're here to do mm -hmm. the work of the association. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's a byproduct of networking. Mm -hmm. Got it. And it's cool. Introduce yourself, explore that. But it's clear there are people like you could say their name like, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about where all they do, not all, but th they talk about themselves or their industry or their, their book, so to speak. Right. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So on the one hand, it's good. You know them for that. On the other hand, it's again, not associated with a positive thing per se. Right. I think one of the, um, a few times I've been asked to provide a reference for someone looking for a job. And I have to believe it means a lot to a potential employer for someone to have a good reference for their volunteer work. You know, they're mm -hmm. doing it because they choose to do it and they do it well. If I were hiring someone, that would mean a lot to me. You are surrounded by people and get to observe the very best that comes out of in a normal year, 100, well, that's just one organization, right? How many total committee meetings do you sit in on in, in a year? In a normal year? Yeah. Easily 200. Of all the associations. Yeah. And this year we tripled it. Yeah. So in a normal year, Katrina, you sit in on 200 meetings where decisions happen. Yes. Discussion and decisions, what you said earlier, happen. You get to hear the very best ideas that come out of brainstorming sessions of the most elite people in their industries. How cool is that? It's why I do what I do. So I tell people, you know, I'm, I'm of the associations that you manage. I have been heavily involved with NAOP, 
CCIM and SIOR. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to speak on those because those are the only ones I have any familiarity with. In Las Vegas, again, this is a population plus or minus 2 million. It's just some city in the United States. It's not New York. It's not Chicago. It's not San Francisco. It's not Houston. It's not LA. It's little gambling town out West. There are three associations that I'm involved with that I know of that are year after year recognized on a national level for their excellence. Mm-hmm. NAOP, we talked about chapter merit awards, not mm-hmm. just for the organization, but also for the individuals that are volunteering the organizations and for you as the executive. Mm-hmm. CCIM, how many years in a row? Well, or the, Their President's collective? Cup Award, it seems like every year for the past 10 or so. Uh, very, very well recognized. And CCIM has some individuals involved on a national level that are, are, you know, just awesome people with, you know, Susie Jones Walker and Bobby Miracle, Charlie Mack. I mean, just some really great people that are involved nationally. And then, you know, SIOR, you know, Tabor Thill, Dan Mary, Dan Doherty, just very well recognized on a national level. On a national level. Mm -hmm. And when you talk to other SIOR chapters, they revere what the Southern Nevada SIR chapter has, which is this connectivity and this yep. openness and this sharing of information, which they don't have that in other markets. Mm-hmm. Easy to take for granted here in mm-hmm. little old Southern Nevada. <laughs> right. But I look at these organizations that are year after year nationally recognized and the, there is a common denominator and that is Alternative Management and Katrina Bruce. So it's no secret why they are so excellent and a pleasure to work with as a volunteer. So on behalf of our community, thank you, Katrina, for everything you do every day and your team. It's not just you. No, it, it is not just got me. Some... I've got an amazing team who've been with me from 5, 6, 10, 12 years. And they're great people. And we love what we do. And thank you, am for this opportunity. And we love what you do. <laughs> Everyone, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you about your takeaways from this episode. Make sure to leave us a comment, leave us a review. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.